Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones, and you are watching AM to DM. Mark me, children. <laughs> it's Kill the Daddy. Day. We are so excited. Yay. Kill Daddy Hive is in full effect. <laughs> but also, I am so excited about this Halloween tweet from Tony Braxton. I'm going to read it here. Here we go. <clears throat> Phony Braxton. <laughs> Never. How do you look better than me on my album cover? I love it. They're not even showing the tweets. They just want the camera on me. This is horrible. Such a superstar. Thanks for the love, sis. Happy Halloween. Who run the world? Girls. Girls. Beyonce. <laughs> Show the portrait. Tony Braxton. Oh. I'm so oh. sorry. Oh, wow. Is that like your... <laughs> That a, was that a ghost voice? Is that what was that what Halloween was? I, I'm so mad at you. I, <laughs> Isaac was going to read that tweet, and then in the production mm-hmm. meeting, I just like did a little like and then they made me do it. I love you, Tony. A little Preston. bit of a ghost Stop voice. It. Is that? Stop. Come it. on, but seriously, this is so. Beyonce great. did that. I love it. Now y'all know it doesn't take much to get me emotional in 2018, but I love Tony Braxton. I love her debut album, Another Sad Love Song. Of course, we've gotten to interview her here on the show, and Beyonce kills it every year. But I just, ah, uh, I love it. It is. Oh, it makes me so happy. It is quite remarkable. Yeah, I want to go see uh, Tony Braxton. I think is going on tour now. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta oh, go. now you're gonna get I tickets. Love it. I love it. Well, listen. Speaking of costumes, <sighs> all right, we're not dressed up right now, no, but well, here are ours. Yeah. All right, we've got uh, this. You were Wolverine this year. Yep. Oh, that's me. Okay, so go. I was, uh, all the tears Ariana Grande doesn't have left to cry. That's right. You know, mood, a lot of that. And then Isaac is Wolverine every year. Every year? Every single that year. That is pretty much how that goes. And now you were saying you were dressed up uh, t- today. Right now. I just now. didn't notice. Yeah, I, I am Saeed in the year, you know, 2014, 2015. <laughs> you know, bright, you notice, you know, no tear streaks, just more pure. More, more smiley. Youthful, yeah. More smiley. <laughs> Those are good years, man. Yeah, I love it. But Bring I do it back to the 2014. <laughs> we were so. Innocent. I'm just gonna sit in that moment for a moment. <laughs> I want to join there. I'm gonna put that costume on too. Mm. Isaac is Wolverine though every single year for Halloween. That's true. It's easy. Listen, I stand a lazy costume, and the fact of the matter is, is like early 2000s. That's when the first X-Men movie uh-huh. came out, and I was like, I've got that leather jacket. Okay. And then I looked at my butter knives, <laughs> and an idea was born. All right, and, listen. And won't stop dying. Won't stop. We'll keep just still there's certain, there's certain years where I don't do it at all, but I did okay. it this year. All right, it's pretty fun. Yeah. But uh, we also, and listen, I've just been so obsessed with everyone's Halloween costumes. So we've already asked you to send us some of your Halloween costumes. Mm-hmm. Keep sending in those pictures yourselves, your children, your family. We love them. Use the hashtag AM to DM. But we've already got, got a few, I think, already. We've gotten a bunch about. of responses yeah. already. Shout out to Brandon for dressing as the butterfly meme. <laughs> Look at that. Is this a costume? Is this a costume? And the butterfly, I think it says like $7 Uh at the dollar store. Oh, that's really funny. It's real. That's that's meta. It's real good. I like that. Um, Now, one of our producers here, Mary, we love Mary. Her son, Bubba, who also played me, little baby Saeed, Mm -hmm. uh, dressed up as Harry Potter before he goes through the brick wall. We stand. I'm sorry, man. (gasps) We stand a young queen, as Bubba would say. I love it. Listen, here's the thing. Pure. I get it. I'm not, Halloween is for children. But there's, I'm, there's a part of me that's just like, I just love kids on Halloween. Like, that's where yeah. I get my joy from this holiday. Some holidays, some Halloweens, I don't even bother to dress up. It's not my favorite mm-hmm. holiday. 
but the kids and the costumes. Like, my favorite part of Halloween is giving out the candy. Sitting at the mm-hmm. door, giving out oh, the candy. Oh, you do that. Yeah, yeah just seeing, that. All, the, seeing yeah. all the costumes. I like the pictures, though. Shout out also to Ashley Ford. She was onto something when she started the whole babies dressed as pumpkins mm-hmm. thing. It's just like purity, innocence, sweetness amidst all the toxicity out there. Yeah, amidst everything that we're dealing Woo. with. Because the news is a lot. So mm-hmm. you know what? I'm embracing Halloween this year. I like year. it. Let's do it. We're going to lean into it. I'm but listen, Halloween. Because there is a lot going on. Here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News reporter Julia Reinstein. It's just a sea of people. I can't see the end of it. That photo is from a thread of protests that took place yesterday in Pittsburgh. They were beautiful and incredibly moving. Julia has been reporting there, of course, all week since the shooting and was there when Trump arrived yesterday, not long after the first funerals began for the 11 victims. And here's what the president had to say about his visit. Melania and I were treated very nicely yesterday in Pittsburgh. The office of the president was shown great respect on a very sad and solemn day. We were treated so warmly. Small protest was not seen by us, staged far away. The fake news stories were just the opposite, disgraceful. Wow, and and here's the thing about that tweet from the president of the United States of America. Step one, 11 people were killed. Yesterday was not about you. It was Mm. about them, their families, and their community. Um, But I thought it was, then he deleted the tweet. So he did tweet that this morning, then he deleted it. It's like, Hmm. decorum? Growth? No, he just wanted to retweet it with the video. Oh, got to get that video on. Well, let's talk about that aspect of all of this. BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party joins us now. Uh, Tarini, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so we were just talking about how the president is spinning his trip to Pittsburgh yesterday, but from the reporter's perspective, how did his visit go? I mean, the president clearly thinks it went well. As you said, he said uh, he just tweeted this morning that Pittsburgh treated him very nicely. But of course, the purpose of the visit was for the president to pay his respects to to the people of Pittsburgh and not the other way around. Um, And the the reality is that he was greeted by a huge protest yesterday. Um, You know, by by Trump standards, when he goes to these things, he likes to be be very front and center and public. Uh, But yesterday, he you know, a lot of the events were, were private when he was visiting the hospital and and paying some of his respect. So, um, you know, it's we saw the protests very, you know, clearly on TV screens and the reporters that were up there. So uh, the president now is trying to frame this as um, something that that clearly was not accurate. Hmm. All right. And now before he arrived, the mayor of Pittsburgh specifically asked Trump not to come yet. Um, Did anyone else refuse to meet with the president? So we know the the family of at least one of the victims uh, said that that they did not want to meet with the with the president. There were a lot of um, you know public officials who were either not invited or did not want to uh, be there with the president. Typically, when when the president visits uh, these types of places, you know you see him being greeted by uh, members of Congress or local officials. We didn't really see that happen this time. Didn't see that happen this time. I, I mean, the optics of this are so complicated. We, we spoke with one of your colleagues yesterday who explained it's not necessarily just politics and people saying, please don't come right now. It's also a matter of resources, right? They're trying to safely have these memorials and funeral services and having the president of the United States come um, is, is a big resource drain. Um, I also wanted to ask, uh, I noticed, did any members of the Republican Party join Trump? Were there any Trump surrogates with him as well? 
So the Republican leadership, along, along with the Democratic leadership, was invited to go uh, to Pittsburgh with the president, but uh, none of them went. They claim, you know, there were scheduling difficulties, and a lot of this trip was planned very hastily, so uh, they said it was too short notice. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the president was there with, um, you know, members of the White House, including his uh, daughter, Ivanka Trump, and her husband, uh, Jared. Obviously, they um, are Jewish Americans, and the president has pointed out uh, that fact often in the last few days. Um, Sarah Sanders also brought up that the president has, you know, Jewish American grandchildren as they're trying to sort of uh, push back against this narrative of uh, the president's uh, words being taken um, by, uh, you know, Jewish Americans in a, you know, as some of his words being taken in an anti-Semitic way. Yeah, a narrative of an entire city of Pittsburgh where thousands of people turned up to protest when he showed up. Well, Tarini, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks so much. Friends, we've got to talk about this story because it was all over the timeline. It was wild. Yesterday, and it's pretty wild, the Atlantic staff writer Natasha Bertrand tweeted this. The special counsel's office was made aware of a scheme to pay off women to make up sexual harassment claims against Robert Mueller. Uh, it has been referred. Uh, it has referred that scheme to the FBI. It's just like so much is going on in, in one tweet. We've got to break this down. BuzzFeed News legal editor Chris Geidner joins us now to do just that. Uh, Chris, good morning morning <laughs> happy halloween yeah yeah trick or treat um, here, here we are trick or treat. here trick we or trick. are again trick or trick trick or trick trick or trick um okay let's yeah. start here because it is so surreal and bizarre how was this plot against robert Mueller? can't believe i just said that um uncovered yeah i mean what happened we we don't know Everything that happened, first of all, let's be clear. Um, yesterday was sort of this twisty turn uh, day where every half hour it sort of went in a totally different direction. Um, what we know is that a handful of reporters were contacted by a person who said that via email, by a person who said that she was a woman who had been contacted by somebody working for a man named Jack Berkman uh, and were going to offer her money in order to uh, detail sexual harassment allegations against Robert Mueller. Um, the thing is, uh, the, the letter said, the letter writer said that while uh, she had worked with Robert Mueller in the past, uh, she had had no negative uh, interactions with him. Um, as reporters had been, been going after this, apparently some had contacted Mueller's office about it. Um, then we later found out that another woman who turned out to be a law professor, uh, Jennifer Taub, had been contacted uh, as well and asked about her interactions with Robert Mueller and had been offered uh, compensation for her time in order to talk with uh, these people about this. And um, she also provided uh, that uh, email to Robert Mueller's office. And so what we found out yesterday is that apparently both of those contacts had been uh, referred by Mueller's office to the FBI. All right, now I want to ask. That's part one. That, that's, that's, that's part, part one. one. That, we're that, breaking that, it down. That, that we're breaking, that, breaking that, it that's down. That's part one. I want to ask yeah. you, Chris, what do we know? And I, 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 just the name of this. I just Surefire. love the name. 
surefire intelligence. What do we know about surefire so, yeah, so intelligence this the is firm hired what, to execute the scheme? So Jack Berkman, who was named in, in this, this email that purportedly came from this woman, um, is a DC lobbyist. Um, he, in recent years, was known as one of the people behind the, the Seth Rich conspiracies, the conspiracies about how uh, the uh, former DNC staffer had been killed and why uh, that have been like majorly debunked and his family has asked people to stop talking about them. Um, it, it, he, he was behind those and he apparently is a part of this. He announced that he is going to be having a news conference on Thursday with a woman who he purports to uh, have been a victim of assault from Robert Mueller. Um, on the other coast, you've got this Jacob Wool, who um, most of us know as the guy who appears in Trump's mentions every time he tweets um, with with some pro-Trump uh, response. Um, he has been linked to this surefire intelligence company that uh, sent a, 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 an alleged employee of surefire intelligence sent an email to Jennifer Taub asking her to talk. Uh, there were other reports throughout the day yesterday that surefire intelligence was involved in this. But the truth is, once Twitter <laughs> uh, started looking into surefire intelligence, it, it, it didn't appear to really exist. Um, staff who were listed in LinkedIn profiles had photographs that uh, were uh, basically actors or other random people who reverse image search found them to exist. Uh, the, the person who emailed Jennifer Taub, uh, his picture on LinkedIn was actor Christoph Waltz. So um, it, it appears, and, and the information about Surefire Intelligence is that uh, the, 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 the most notable uh, information was that its phone number connected to a voicemail related to uh, Jacob, that was connected to Jacob Wool's mom. Um, and Jacob Wool's company was linked to the website's registration. Um, he initially had denied connections to Surefire Intelligence, uh, but that sort of slowed down later in the day. Um, Gateway Pundit had originally published some documents that alleged uh, the, the, the alleged assault uh, that, that they are claiming Robert Mueller was involved in. Uh, Gateway Pundit, the, the conspiracy theorist, hyperpartisan site, yeah. they later took down the documents and said, this is too much for us. Yeah. So, um, so, Chris, I do they they are going to do... And I do want to jump in here for a moment, Chris. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it, there's so Please, many... Please, do. Level, yeah, <laughs> there's so much, and it is so surreal, and at times funny, but also, like, setting aside the fact that, you know, believing women and, and, and manipulating and, and warping... Uh, survivors talking about sexual harassment and an assault into, you know, a chess match or something. Let's set that aside. Why was it, it, it seems very significant that as crazy as this is, uh, Robert Mueller still referred this to the FBI. So, so how did it reach the level of significance mm -hmm. that they felt that was necessary? Well, I, I, I think there are some, some clear reasons. It, it, it is 
obviously uh, a, there is the possibility that this could be seen as an attempt to interfere with the special counsel's investigation. Um, and, and that obviously would, would have very serious implications. And, and I think obviously if there are claims being made against Robert Mueller that, that would be legitimate, those would have very serious implications. And, and I think his office did uh, the, the, the only real thing that they could do, which is say, we want no part of this. We don't want this to be seen as something that we're involved in. And we, we give this to the FBI to do what they, uh, what they see fit with it. And so I'm sure throughout the day yesterday, there were many people who, uh, as this story broke into to public starting overnight last night, when, when Jacob Wool tweeted that he thought something scandalous was going to happen uh, with Mueller uh, on Tuesday, I, I think that the FBI was probably very busy yesterday. Yeah, well, truly wild. I mean, I'm sure we will hear more about this as we continue to learn more. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for as best as you can breaking this down. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate what you had to say, too, there, right? Like, this is very dangerous, what these people are setting out to do. Right, right. Um, I feel like in the midst of, as we look at, like, the decisions, like, reporters like Jonathan Swan at Axios is making, and just, like, amidst the, like, bizarreness, it's like we cannot lose sight of the humanity, like, that all of these bizarre stories are connected to. It's so wild. Absolutely. Yeah. I will also say, <laughs> if you're doing a con... Don't make your mom's voicemail where the phone number goes to. Yeah. That's just. That connects. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, mm-hmm. I, fail like, I feel like I failed in one aspect this morning, mm-hmm. which is that you are not wearing a kilt. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I apologize to everyone. How brilliant would it be? I, I want you to know I'm seeing Saeed's legs. It's pants. I have it bothers pants. me. But the cast of Outlander <laughs> are here. Before we get to all that Scottish joy, though, we're going to do some fire tweets. Yeah. I'm going to call some people, see if I can get a kilt delivered. If it's not made by Alexander McQueen, I'm not wearing it. Wow. All right. Get, get busy. High class lander. <laughs> Fire! Fire! <laughs> okay, friends. Uh, our update for Kill Daddy Hive. Uh, the cast of Outlander, we've got Sam Hewen, we've got Sophie Skelton and Richard Rakin. They are in the building. There's merely a wall between us right now. They've been in the building. They've been in the... There's actually, like a crowd of people outside. Actually, they walked in before I had my makeup on this morning. Ooh. I had to like run, run away. Um, uh, they're doing some social videos. They are going to be... Can I say it? Yeah, go ahead. I think they're going to be reading some of my Kill Daddy Live tweets. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, they are having so much fun, it's going a little bit longer. So they're going to be on at 10... 40 this morning, so 20 minutes. We have seen all of your tweets about people are hiding yeah. in closets. Yeah. Some of y'all are like hiding in the restroom watching the show. And I feel like this is my role in this is, <laughs> is to be like, guys, don't, it's wonderful. Uh, we will show clips later. Don't lose your job no, over no, this. Do it. Don't lose do your job. Do not yeah. lose your job. <laughs> if the president can schedule executive time, so can you, Outlander fans. Right, I can't fight you against deserve. that. All right, but first, let's get in these fire tweets. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Jeffrey Hads, you uh, tweeted, skeletons are a weird costume because you already got one of those in your body. You're pretty much a bone Oreo with skin frosting, dude. (laughs) A bone (laughs) Oreo. Wow, Jeff. I mean, you're not wrong. Skin frosting. Forget wrong. I'm sorry. That is literary merit right there. (laughs) 
Bone Oreo with skin frosting, dude. Mwah. Well skin done. Skin frosting is so creepy. Okay, this tweet comes from the wonderful Aparna Nancharla. My Halloween name for Twitter is my regular name because it scares people regularly. Nothing spookier than racism in 2018. You know what I mean? Just no. woo. Weirdly not ah. contained to just Halloween. Ugh. Paul, Ooh. what was Whoa. that? <laughs> Did you actually blow something <laughs> up that time? Wow. Paul Welsh, you tweeted, the scariest Halloween costume I can think of is regular adult who wants to show you how well they play the piano. <laughs> you ever been stuck in one of those moments? Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. A few years ago, I was uh, traveling. I was in air. I was traveling to Berlin. I don't know if you remember this. And I was staying with the hottest Airbnb host. He was literally a former model. And I showed up. And he was like, you're my roommate for the month. And he, and literally within five minutes, he was like, I also play the piano and was playing. And I was like drinking some, you know, Riesling. Like, I was like, oh, this isn't spooky at all. You were having like a Richard Gere Great. moment. If he was a ghost, I'm a Scorpio and ready to date him. <laughs> just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it. I don't think you're interested in his musical talent. <laughs> Hit the button. All right. Anthony, you tweeted, not saying, oh my goodness, Anthony, how could you do this? How could you do this? I'm so mad at this tweet. Anthony, you tweeted, not saying I would rather eat a bowl of thumbtacks than a bowl of candy corn. Rude. Just saying it would be a difficult choice. Did you pick that tweet? I didn't, I swear to God, I didn't make it. I just, I won't lie, I like that you had to read it though. I like, <laughs> Saeed, for those that are just watching, that you don't know, you didn't watch yesterday, he loves candy corn. I Anthony, turn on your geotag. Turn <laughs> on bowl out there. Just mm -hmm. different, different. We can find some thumbtacks, Anthony. Do you have a least favorite candy? Oh, hmm. I don't know. Not really. Black licorice? I love licorice stuff. I love black licorice. All right. Pleated <laughs> <laughs> jeans, you tweeted, you can give out anything on Halloween. It doesn't have to be candy. Last year, I gave a kid my cable bill. It was awesome. He paid it and everything. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, children. Learn those wow. life lessons early. Okay. Figure out how to do that. Balance that checkbook, young Timmy. I would give a full Snickers bar to whatever kid came into my life and was just like, you know what, I'm an accountant. I can fix things for you. I can do your taxes. That'd be God, great. It's like Tom Sawyer meets late capitalism. <laughs> That's so depressing. All right, our tweet of the day comes from Matt Roller. You ready? Let's do okay. it. Halloween is my favorite holiday where you can trespass on a stranger's property and make a non-negotiable demand. Absolutely. Here's, I mean, true. But here's the thing about this tweet. I just noticed he says, is my favorite holiday. Isn't just a, is the only holiday. Ooh. What are the other holidays where you can do that? I mean, I sure do Tweet show up. us if you can think of other holidays where that's possible. I show up at my brother's house on Thanksgiving and I'm like, feed me. Oh, up yeah. next, we are going live from the district, <laughs> which to be honest, is the scariest place in 2018. Yeah. Welcome back, we're going live from the district. Let's start with this tweet from BuzzFeed News. If you watch cable news, read Twitter, or listen to politicians of either party, you'll hear that the blue wave is coming. But if Americans learned anything in 2016, it's that no political outcome is for sure. Hello, we are not fortune tellers. Well, Molly joins us now from DC to talk about her story. Good morning, Molly. Morning. Okay, so of course, yes, there has been so much talk about the blue waves, red waves, all kinds of waves. Uh, why isn't a blue wave a sure thing uh, this year? 
Okay, well, so when we talk about the blue wave, we're, one of the things, main thing we're talking about is, like, are Democrats going to take over the House of Representatives? And polls are really good. Polls show that there's, like, a very good chance that they will. The thing is that, like, as we said, if we learned anything in 2016, it's that we sometimes polls are wrong, a lot of times polls are wrong, and we just don't know yet. Um, and there's just a lot of questions about whether Democrats are really going to be able to pull this off. Mm. Yeah, and now I, I don't know if Molly, did you see that New York Mag piece yesterday where it was 12 millennials that yeah, were just I like, did. here's why I'm not voting. And I, tr- I do my best. You not- just triggered yeah. all of media Twitter bringing this I up. do my best not to get too like, not on my front. Back in my day. It was a little, one, how did you feel about that? But two, where do millennials fit into the blue wave narrative? Mm. I mean, the thing about the piece was some of them were really good reasons to not vote. People said, I have a hard time getting an absentee ballot. It's really hard. I'm working all day. Like, there are real reasons to vote uh, that millennials have a hard time voting. Um, I mean, I think the thing is that millennials are really important to Democrats if they want to turn out this blue wave. You'll see the Democrats' biggest donor, this guy, Tom Steyer, he's put millions and millions of dollars into turning out young voters, mostly in college campuses and stuff, because if they show up, they almost entirely vote for Democrats or huge portions of them vote for Democrats. The thing is, midterm elections, they really don't do a good job showing up. I think in 2014, it was like 16%. Um, of the youngest demographic actually voted, which is pretty abysmal. Pretty abysmal. So even with everything that's going on, we talk about how politics is so different now, some things are not changing. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think it's, you know, it's not something that's unique to millennials. Young people have always done a pretty bad job voting. Yeah. All right, now what are the characteristics of the districts that we're really focused on with places where the blue wave may or may not happen? Well, I think that's what's really interesting is there's a lot of different types of districts. I mean, there's these suburban districts where they really didn't like Trump and they voted for Clinton. And now you have these Republicans who are fighting, you know, to win in a district where Clinton won by five points or 10 points. But there's also a lot of districts in rural areas where actually Trump won and he's still popular. But Democrats have been able to field really good candidates there. And a lot of voters are motivated by something like health care. So even if they think, you know, President Trump's doing a good job. They also want to vote to, you know, protect their health care. They want to put a check on the president, something like that. So you really have a kind of a pretty wide variety of districts all across the country. Um, and you have districts in like states like Nebraska, where, you know, the state itself went for Trump by a pretty big margin, but maybe Democrats could compete there this year. Arkansas, too. Now, in addition to terms like blue wave and red wave, there's also been the term Kavanaugh bump that I wanted to ask you about. So (laughs) what on earth is the Kavanaugh bump and could it actually be a factor? I don't think we know yet. It's one of those 2016 things or 2018 things. But basically, the idea is that, you know, Republican voters maybe got more excited, more engaged in the election because of the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh or after the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh, that it reminded Republicans, okay, this is why it's important to vote. This is why it's important for us to hold the Senate. And I think there are some signs that, you know, there was a huge enthusiasm gap between Democrats who really wanted to vote and Republicans who maybe weren't that excited. Now maybe that's closed some. We don't know if that's because of Kavanaugh or it's just like the election's getting closer and, you know, Trump's coming out to all these districts and motivating people. It's just not, it's not clear yet. Um, And we may never really know, you know, why people show up, but Republicans are certainly hoping like they got something big done in these last few weeks and it should help them. Okay. I want to say for talking about the blue wave, we sure are saying Trump's name 
a bunch. Mm. So on the other yeah. side of things, um, are hardcore Republican voters going to turn out if Trump's not actually on the ballot? I think that's a big question. I mean, I think it's pretty clear from 2016 that like Trump really motivates people and maybe people who don't normally vote to show up. Um, and he's actually at his rallies. He will say, I am on the ballot. I'm on the ballot. He's, he's not on the ballot, obviously. But, you know, he thinks that like if people see this as a referendum on him, on supporting him. And, you know, that's another reason why you sometimes hear Dem- or Republicans talking about impeachment. Um, you know, oh, if if Democrats take back the House, they might try to impeach Trump. They think that might be a good way to, like, motivate their voters to show up and, um, you know, if they think they're defending Trump from from the Democrats. Mm. All right. Well, listen, the only way we're really going to know is when Election Day comes. So, Molly, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And remember, to all those folks watching, BuzzFeed News will be hosting an election night special on Twitter starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. David Matt, Catherine Miller, and Brandon Finnegan will be getting the band back together, and you won't want to miss it. Okay, but stay tuned. Up next, it's time for Out Here and Outlander a little bit sooner. I see y'all updating each other on the times. I love it. (laughs) Such a supportive fandom. (laughs) They got each other. This is Out Here, where we talk about LGBTQ life and culture, and I'm here with Desiree Akvan, co-writer, director, and the star of V Bisexual. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Now, in this show, your character is getting out of a long relationship with a woman, and she is struggling with her bisexual identity, something that I personally know all too well. But uh, why did you want to tell this story? I had never seen anything out there that reflected life and sexuality as I knew it as a bisexual woman. And I also felt like there was a lot of comedy to be mined there. Uh, This is a reverse coming out story about a woman in her 30s who uh, starts dating men for the first time and leaves her longtime female partner. So it's about the taboos of both the straight and the gay dating world from the perspective of someone who's in both of them. Yeah, I've seen among uh, bisexual folks and in the bi community that Sometimes when you do that, you can really be pushed out uh, of lesbians and the lesbian community as well. Um, Did this character represent any of your own experiences navigating the community? I think it's more her own discomfort with herself and her sexuality that we fell into in writing the scripts. Like the original idea was, was there because when I was promoting my first film, Appropriate Behavior, which is about a bisexual character, I kept hearing myself be introduced as the bisexual filmmaker or the bisexual Iranian-American uh, director. The bisexual Lena Dunham is one I got a lot of. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, it felt the word bisexual felt like nails on a chalkboard. If they had said the queer director or the gay director, I would have been very proud. But there was something about that word that I personally felt was gauche and tacky and in bad taste, and I felt like it, it was a it was a label I didn't want to have on myself. And I wondered why, when it's true, and 100% I'm bisexual, and even made a movie about it, but still couldn't handle being called that. So that's that was the genesis of my own discomfort about it, and what was I afraid of? Yeah, that resonates with me so much just because, uh, you know, language has evolved so much. And I think a lot of times people are still really dismissive about the word bi. I know that for me, I really love reclaiming that kind of language and that it's such an accessible word for so many people. Um, How did you kind of overcome that in terms of your own personal relationship with the word? 
I didn't overcome it. I just made a show about it. <laughs> I think that's the brilliance of being a filmmaker is that you can take everything that makes you sick to your stomach or that you kind of hate about yourself and put it on screen and work through it. And weirdly, having to say, like making a sh even the title of it, I think I find so tacky. <laughs> I came up with that title. I did this to myself because I wanted to know why. Uh, but yeah, being a filmmaker is definitely like a fake it till you make it kind of situation. And I think actually through the process of making this show and talking about it more and more, I have far less shame than I did. I mean, I was really, really struck uh, by the title and some of the biphobia that your character experiences comes from other members of the LGBTQ community. And we have a clip of that. So let's take a look. Does anyone know an actual bisexual? I'm pretty sure bisexuality is a myth created by ad executives to sell flavored vodka. When I hear bisexual, I think lame slut. It's tacky, it's gauche, it makes you seem disingenuous, like your genitals have no allegiance. It's not a cool thing to be, and it makes my fucking skin... All right. That's how you know you've reached uh, the pinnacle of success when you can actually quote your own trailer and uh, <laughs> if I knew you're going to show that I wouldn't have. <laughs> no, it's great. Myself. But you know what? You know you're mentioning all of those tropes: the slutty bisexual, that uh, you know bisexuals are so erased or made invisible. Um, why do you think that invisibility still persists? Because it's. I mean, it requires people outing themselves. And the weird thing about bisexuality is that the way you appear is contingent on who you're with at that moment. You know, if I'm holding a man's hand, I'm straight. If I'm with a woman, I'm gay. Uh, you can't be visibly bisexual unless you call yourself out on it and have that. But it's easier to assimilate. It's easier to just say I'm a lesbian because I have a girlfriend. Which mm. is fair enough. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I do want to get to some of your other work, and I want to talk about the miseducation of Cameron Post. Um, in terms of uh, making that film, was that a departure? And, and what was it like to make something that was a departure from your own personal experience? It was really liberating. I feel like I, I learned what it is to be a director and to curate a team of people and utilize their skills to tell the story I wanted to tell and how to take something like adapting a book and make it feel as deeply personal as my first film, which is very much uh, about my life. Mm. And now, uh, some, so there's another movie right now, I should phrase it this way, that also addresses conversion therapy, yeah, um, Boy, Boy Erased. Erased. Yeah, and you know, uh, I've seen that you've spoken about how uh, the miseducation of Cameron Post struggled to get a distributor. Mm -hmm. And so, so why do you think that is? Why do you think uh, Boy oh, Erased gets Oscar buzz? 100% it's about female sexuality. Why are people so afraid of female sexuality? Because female sexuality is power. Amen. Like women who can <laughs> claim their own pleasure in life are, are women who own a space and own their own bodies. And there's something deeply scary about a powerful woman. Mm. Well, I think that is the perfect note to end this on. So thank you so much for joining for me. And The Bisexual drops on Hulu on November 16th. Up next, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Saeed sits down with the cast of Outlander. Hello, my queens. I can finally say to not roll my eyes, Mark me, it is finally the day the cast of Outlander here. We've got Sam Hewen, Sophie Skelton, and Richard Rankin. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on AM2D. Thank you for having us. And welcome to the clan. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, okay, if, for, for some reason when you say it, it's not so weird. I don't yeah. know what that's okay. about. The accent. Um, so here's, I don't know if you know this whole thing. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was traveling for work. We were doing a road trip and I got sick. 
And so when I got back to New York, I'm like cold medicine, stuck on the couch, you know, just binge watching, binge watching, binge so watching. You were high? Yes, okay. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Definitely yeah. under the influence of Sudafed. They are yeah. not a sponsor. And uh, I, I ended up watching Outlander. I have a lot of friends who've read the books and the show, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. And I live tweet shows all the time. It's, I just it can't help it. Um, I have never seen anything like this before. I, I, so I created the hashtag Kilt Daddy just so I could keep up with You're my own tweet. I was like losing. I was like, what's going on? Um, so we have a tweet here from Maman who wants to know, um, Sam, what do you think of the nickname Kilt Daddy? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I think this, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an excellent hashtag. And I feel like you should probably live tweet my whole life from now oh, on. Oh, really? Yeah, if that's okay. Uh, sure, I mean, we can move some things around and, yeah, you know, yeah. make sure I have like a battery pack and I'll just keep going. Actually, next time you should wear the kilt. I think that's what <laughs> would make it, that would, that would be full circle. Okay, Isaac wanted me to wear a kilt. I will find a very expensive Alexander McQueen kilt and we Absolutely. will do that. That's we'll do that. that. Yeah. We'll do fashionable. Well, so because, you know, uh, we're a Twitter show, we love to ask fans to send in questions. Mm -hmm. And I did that yesterday and more questions than we've ever gotten for a celeb on the show. Um, so all of these questions are from people who are tweeted them in. Right. Uh, let's get into this. Uh, here's a question from Black Landers. Uh, Outlander season four has more people of color than any other season. Of course, with indigenous tribes, we have Native Americans and black slaves. Um, were there discussions as to how these characters would be portrayed on the show and how Jamie, Roger, and Brianna uh, would view them and interact with them? Yeah, it's actually a really interesting topic of this season. Obviously, we introduce um, slavery and how that was such a prominent element of history in, uh, in the 1700s. But I mean, for Brianna especially, um, her best friend at university in the books is kind of this bubbling blonde. Mm -hmm. But we um, cast somebody um, of color and she's amazing. And it was just really nice to get that diversity into the 60s too, because you know, obviously in that time, there weren't many girls at university anyway, never mind a woman of color. So. Right. That was a really nice introduction and a really good good change of the writers, I think, to introduce that. So. Yeah, because so much social change is happening. Yeah, and then it parallels yeah. really nicely with the 1700s element of the slavery. It just shows how times really changed, and mm. I think that's a very current a thing, research, too. Wasn't a lot of research, a lot of planning, a lot of consulting went into um, season four, I think. Well, season three obviously had a huge mm -hmm. element of the, the, the slavery and the slave trade and all that sort of thing, but um, we have quite a contingent of uh, First Nations mm. Um, in season four, mm. and they brought over like, I don't know, what, like 150 yeah, First yeah. Nations? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Who are like still like deep into their culture mm -hmm. and in their history, and it's still very present within them. So that was amazing. Mm -hmm. That was extraordinary to have them on set. I mean, I hear, not that I worked directly mm -hmm. with any of them, obviously, but I hear tell that they uh, were quite an so experience. They a culture to it, yeah. And, and you know, yeah. as, as Sophie said as well, you know, Jamie's you know, a man of his time, and mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's a lot that has changed, and a lot is different now, but that's what the show is, that time period. And Jamie is very forward thinking, and I certainly, Claire teaches him that, you know, there's, there's a different way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, it feels very important to Jamie's character that he is a learner, yeah. because it's the only way that relationship could work, is his mm -hmm. yeah. being open to, to the change. Yeah, he is, you know. I mean, it's generally the way that when they, they butt heads and they, they do argue is, you know, she has a way of doing things from, from the future, and he has a certain way of doing things, and, and that's normally where some drama comes, mm -hmm. and then, you know, he learns from her mm -hmm. and then basically just does what she says. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, eventually, yeah, eventually. They get there together. I love it. I think it. it's a great thing yeah. in that, you know, through Claire, you bring in this very modern take mm -hmm. on that subject matter, which, you know, at the time, unfortunately, was taken as a norm. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously a very sort of current subject now as well, yeah. especially in America. So it's yeah. really nice to bring that our kind of view nowadays to that yeah. century. And we're showing America, you know, 
for uh, as this new or uh, you know the beginnings of, mm -hmm. of, of sort of modern America mm -hmm. and, and what it is and it's a land of immigrants and immigration and right. uh, it's fascinating to see that yeah whether it's from you know talking about rape culture and, and war and violence refugees I mean it, it feels very contemporary yeah. yeah and very honest I mean it, yeah. you know the books are kind of based around true historical events so mm. to get those elements of truth in there too is a really interesting thing to mix in with all the drama and fantasy. A little time travel. A little time, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Well, that didn't that, happen. <laughs> just what it happens now and then. To that point, um, there's a question for you from Vanessa, a uh, question for Sophie. Uh, you said you studied both Katrina and Sam's mannerisms as Claire and Jamie. I've watched your face a lot, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Did you not know this? Oh, man. I don't want to tell you because I don't want you to feel self-conscious, but, but season fun? one, I, any facial expression you two do, no, or like is. bodily, no. Do the Sam face. Come on, well, do the Sam face. Face. You have a very good jaw tense, and when Jamie's being it? pensive, I don't know. <laughs> when Jamie's being pensive, you have like a little um, purse of your lips and kind of look. I'm going to start putting away. things in, so you start. So doing I have to them. copy them. Yeah. You're making her job like, harder. They're just like, they're yeah. like, like drool. Or I'm going to do a twitch. Like the Fraser time. drool. We actually have a Fraser drool. The Fraser drool. So it gets really cold in Scotland. Uh huh. And when oh, it's dude. cold, right, you, your face, things leak, like your yeah. sinuses leak. We both snot from the same nostril. Yeah, we do. Wow. So, oh, that is family yeah. right there. Synergy. I mean, the there'll be nostril. scenes and we're both just like, uh, dude, you might want to... That is too Yeah, many. it's, it's bad. <laughs> I didn't know that was hit, Ed. Well, look, at we're learning yeah. so it is now. much. Yeah. Learning yeah. so much. Well, I have a question for you, Richard, and I love this. She says her name is Cindy, but she goes by um, La Dame Blanche uh, on Twitter. Uh, we see our hashtag King of Men, and I, was, I had to learn. I was like, who's King of Men? They were like, at Sam. I was like, okay. Okay, Sam has admitted to doing push-ups before a half-naked scene. Uh. Have mercy on our soul, Cindy adds. Uh, does Richard do the same? Do you know what I have thought about it? Doing push-ups before <laughs> sex scenes? Not that I have many. Um, but, um, and I know that it really works, and it really buffs me up, mm -hmm. and, I, and I look good. But I thought, you know, I'll just keep it natural. Go on that trial, just as I am. <laughs> honestly, into that sex scene. I love it. Take, take it or leave it. Are take there scenes, and this is a question for all three of you, are there scenes or types of scenes that you wish you had more of? Because you certainly you get the full the full gamut. Yeah, there's a few there's a few of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do I want more of them? I don't think so. No, okay. Could you get more? No, it's um, the, you know, the show is amazing, and we're always it's always changing. You know, every episode is kind of different. Mm -hmm. Every season is certainly different, and mm -hmm. there's always a challenge to to them. And, and this season is no exception. You know, but um, that's why we're lucky. You know, the mm -hmm. show is is not a procedural or stuck in the same you know the same studio all the time. We we really do travel around a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Brianna, is there a type of scene you would like to do more, like battle scene or, you know, something you're like, I'd like to see Brianna? I mean, yeah. Like, Brianna's pretty badass. It would be cool to have a bit more action. She's tough. may or may not happen this season. I think you'd be good with a sword, oh. huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. I like that. You could Sweet. do push-ups before the... Yeah, <laughs> take on the king of men. Yeah, it's not that one. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, it's perfect. It's not at one side, thing. sword in the other. the whole thing. Don't mess. I love that. Have you directed an episode yet? Um, no, but they actually... Yeah, I've said I can direct the next season, so... Uh, it. <laughs> they don't know that yet. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, now it's on Twitter, so it's true. That, that's how the internet yeah. works. Everything on Twitter is true. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's a big show, but mm -hmm. it'd, be, it'd be fun we to do. Start That'd be cool. That. We should. should. Yeah. Think of me so Yeah, Kilt Daddy Direct. Kilt Daddy Direct. That's oh, not an episode so I want to be involved in. It feels like so good. Directed, directed by yeah. Kilt Daddy. That's how they have to show it during I'm the credits. I'm going to use that from now on. <laughs> please. Sounds please, like a sales yours. company. Kilt Daddy Direct. <laughs> uh, what does he sell? 
Kill Sam. Kill Sam? Come on, man. Or daddy's mood. Okay, here's a tweet from um, Tiny Toonie for Sam. Um, is there, and yeah, again, you know, we're four seasons in now. Is there a scene you look back on from the past three seasons that you would want to either relive, mm, redo, or rewatch? I see Tiny Toonie has Katrina's picture as oh, her. Oh, yeah. Which, um, calling out? Calling you out? Tiny uh, so maybe it's just Katrina actually tweeting and pretending. <laughs> um, is there a scene I'd like to redo? Um, I don't know, it's hard when you watch yourself, you kind of want to redo everything. Mm. But um, You do? You're not like, oh, I killed that, Slade. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's hard to watch yourself, isn't it? But, yeah. uh, God, I love, I love season one. Mm. Uh, it was a great season. Because we're not in it? Because you're not in <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, Sam. Uh, killed Daddy, loves season one. But it, no, I, I think every season, as I said, it's, it's so fun and it's good, it's a great adventure we're going on, and I'm looking forward to next season as well. Mm -hmm. And do either of you have a favorite scene so far? Yes, but can't <clears throat> talk about any Oh, you can't talk about it? Oh um, my gosh. No, there's some really great scenes for Brianna this season. Okay. And mm -hmm. most I'm of them excited. I would like to do again, or work with those, kind of, those people again, because she gets to interact with a lot more characters this season, so it's been, been thus fun. Far, I have to say, thus far my favorite scene is the, the end of season two, when, when you and, and Roger confront uh, your mom, and it's so good because you both have all, everybody has all of the information, all of the context, the research, and, and the memories, and everyone's miscommunicating. And I just think that is such a good depiction of like parents and kids. Like, yeah. Just like everyone is right and wrong yeah. <laughs> at yeah, the yeah, same completely. time. Yeah. But what about you, do you have a favorite scene? I actually really enjoyed all the, the stuff you're talking about mm. at the end of season two because it is mass confusion. Mm -hmm. And Brianna and Roger clearly think that Claire's absolutely mental. But it's how do we go about showing her that she is mental? Mm -hmm. Well, let's go and have her watch Galus throw herself into a 10 ton. She's also you know, That'll do it. Brick, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, right. really hoping that the whole time travel thing's true and everything. Right. The season two finale was a lot of fun to play, but also I think. Some of my favourite stuff has been in the car in season two, mm. in season three, driving around. Were you actually Sophie. driving? I did a bit of driving. I mean, <laughs> I think we spent more time off the road in the car than on it. Yeah, we because definitely, Richard's came, off, driving we definitely is... came off road once or twice, but that was probably not my fault. It was more okay. um, cars to do yeah, the car's fault. Right. The car's fault. Yeah, I had Katrina in the back. Uh -huh. Actually, I had Katrina and Sophie in the back. Was she a backseat driver? They weren't helping my confidence <laughs> much, I just have to say. Like, they were really, really, you know... They, 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 weren't, they, weren't, they weren't fans of my driving they weren't really by the end of the supportive. day. And the clutch was... I don't I think the car been, was a fan of your driving. No, it was, it was definitely the car, yeah. I remember destroying the clutch that Look day. at you, you I got like a thousand yard stare. Are you, are you okay, oh, buddy? Going back. Yeah, no, there's, <laughs> come there's, back, come definite, back. There's definite trauma there that you can relive. Never driven again. Yeah. I love it. Well, one, one last question from Twitter, of course. It's Halloween. Mm. Um, and also, is it Sam Main? Is that how I say? The day of the, where Sawane. she? Sawane. Yeah. Oh, that's so much prettier. Gaelic is so much prettier than English. Uh, Don Polk, though, has a question for Halloween. Uh, what was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? Your childhood, childhood Halloween costume. Do you have any? Wow. See, I was always kind of boring. I just like put on a witch's hat and go get candy from neighbors. Um, <laughs> but I actually, it's funny, somebody retweeted today a tweet that I'd done a while ago and I was dressed up as um, Queen Amidala from Star Wars. I was like four. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. I like I'm it. Thanks. Fierce. Yeah. Fierce. Look, everyone's posture changed. I know. Yeah. That's like, what you know. You're talking about queen costume. Sitting up a little straighter. You two, anyone remember? I was... Uh, I had 
a, a strange obsession with both Robocop when I was at primary school, uh, which would be kindergarten for you guys, and um, Michael Jackson. So much so really that I mix. tried to put on both. a Michael Jackson concert oh. when I was like 10. Oh my God. It didn't go so well. It was an absolute disaster. Did you How many tickets did you sell? I bought little smoke bombs, you know those little smoke bombs? Wow! For like mm. a pound mm. that you have to set fire to yourself before they go off. So you're like dancing and I hadn't thought it through logistically, it, it didn't go well. I sold like three tickets. Did the other so children egg you? I didn't even make a profit. Did you moonwalk? Huh? Moon I tried to moonwalk. Okay. I'm not going to demonstrate that. Wanna, now, yeah. no, I think we have to have a reenactment of this. I know, I think we do. <laughs> Next time. Next time. You will kill. I love it. And you, and you will drive us as well to the location. Oh yeah, well obviously. Yeah, yeah, I'll be such an expert happen. driver. Sure, yeah, I'll be happy to show yeah, you. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think uh, as a kid, I, you know, I was forced to dress up each Halloween and you know, there were a variety of really, really elaborate and bad costumes. Um, one, I think I was dressed up probably very on PC as a sort of Arabic kind of warrior and I had this big eye makeup on and all the kids in school wouldn't speak to me. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, my mom put me in a costume that. like that too when I yeah. was like, what is going on? I know, exactly. I know it was like a different time, I was like, no it's, girl. Yeah, it's <laughs> traumatic as well. Yeah, good idea, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, well, now that we've we shamed dress, ourselves. We should dress our parents up now. We should. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like payback. Turn the tables. Yeah, Turn see the how tables. they like it. Good yeah. luck with that. <laughs> I yeah, good luck with that, right. All right, well guys, Richard, Sam, Sophie, thank you so much for thank coming you. and thank hanging out with us and being so generous of spirit. We love the show and clearly the fans love all of you, rightfully so. Uh, season four of Outlander Brevere's November 4th on Stars. as if you don't already know. If you don't, you're like the last person on Twitter who doesn't. Obviously watch it and live tweet it. More AM to DM up next. Person with a very funny Twitter name, good boy Mr. Pickles tweeted, my best friend's ex-boyfriend was talking to another female while they were together. She found out by seeing the other girl as his phone background. His excuse was, oh, that's not you. Men are wild. Ain't that the truth? Well, Rebecca Jennings, a culture reporter at The Goods by Vox, wrote, should you have your significant other as your phone background? And she joins me now to discuss it. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on to debate this very serious topic. Thank you so much for having me. So when you set, when you set out to write this story, were you surprised at the kind of intensity of emotions people have about this issue? I was so surprised by the intensity because like, I'm very neutral on this topic. I think it's cute, whatever, do what you want. But um, I just put a call out on Twitter and Instagram and people were fired up about this. And which made for a very fun, fun little reporting exercise for me. Why do you think this is something that people are, feel so strongly about? So I think it's because like nowadays, like a phone, a phone background, like is technically something that like only you're supposed to see. But like now we're like always looking at other people's phones. So I think that it's like for some people it feels like really showy. And so when they're just like very conscious of other people like seeing their thing, to some people it's like. Uh, this is like kind of like a like thing that I'm doing to show off that I have a boyfriend or something or whatever. It's kind of like the, I guess when we were in college-ish, like putting your relationship on Facebook or like having yes. them as your profile picture, it's kind of like another way of doing that. Well, I want to read